This is Disabled Girls Who Lift. We are reclaiming what's rightfully ours one podcast at a time. It's Mary Beth, Chloe, and Marcia bringing you the thoughts and unpopular topics to get you out of that ableist comfort zone. Hey guys, welcome back to Disabled Girls Who Lift. Previously, we talked about protecting your energy, and we're going to talk about it again. I'm Marcia from South Florida. Hey y'all, it's Mary Beth from California. And we've got a, a guest joining us today. I'm super, super, super excited to have her on. Um, she's got some amazing work in healing and She's a clinical social worker, and she's been training as an integrative psychotherapist, so a lot of her skill set really involves the mind and body and healing and how to reconnect yourselves to the lineage wisdom, which is super important and super relevant now in this time. Um, A lot of her beliefs I stand by, and we've been following her for such a long time, so (laughs) Shauna Marie Brown, welcome and thank you. Hey, I'm super excited to be here. It's so dope. What y'all do is so dope. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Because, I mean, we talked about a few heavy things um, in that episode, you know, grief and loss, um, trauma, all of these things. And I'm black. Um, Mary Beth is a Filipina. She's Asian. And there are just some times where we just feel like at least for me, growing up, therapy is, you know, quote unquote, for crazy people. It's for white guys. It's for this and that. So I'm just wondering how, what can we do to change that mindset? And what, how should we be thinking about this idea of therapy and mental health? I think that if we started off with just recognizing that everybody has a mind, everybody has emotions, and that it makes sense if we look at it from a historical and societal perspective, recognizing histories of oppression and the function of systems. Um, If we recognize that all of these things absolutely impact how we think about mental health, how we think about mental health care, then I think the first step is for us to just acknowledge that it is not crazy to be skeptical. Um, I think that for um, communities of color, Especially, it's important for us to sort of acknowledge that we had a reason to be have a pause about seeking therapy because the way that racism and white supremacy has shown up, the function of mental health care originally was not to support the healing of black and brown people. And so if, if we start there, then oftentimes if I say, if someone says, you know, I'm not really about that therapy life. I'm not trying to get with it. I can say, you know, well, I think that makes sense. Like, but now now let's talk about what we can do about our own wellness, considering that truth. And so the work that I've been doing um, in the city of Baltimore and that I've had the privilege of sharing nationally and internationally is if we get back to some of the, our original ways of healing. So maybe we weren't necessarily talking to what was called a therapist, but we were getting together in community we were sharing the depths of ourselves, sometimes in ritual or in prayer or through dance or the arts, there are, or perhaps in our spiritual practice. And so I think if we sort of normalize the fact that as human beings, we have big emotions 
and that it, that we are not to be in this world alone, then that can begin the process of thinking about how we can care better for ourselves. Wow, that's a perfect point. And I'd also like to extend that to people uh, with disabilities, because in the same vein, the system wasn't built for us, number one. And then number two, it's like, you know, historically speaking, you just get cast aside, especially if you are visibly disabled, like you didn't leave the house 100 years ago. So exactly. somebody with a with a disability now just actually leaving their house and being like, OK, I deserve to be here now. What? Mm-hmm. We're exactly. just meant to figure it out on ourselves. <clears throat> like, oh, y'all, y'all figure it out. I'm sorry. I don't look like you. I don't know mm-hmm. how to deal with your pain or your disability. But I mean, it's also really important that you say that, too, because Google is so accessible now. Some people, not only is there the stigma of, you know, mental health and having a therapist or a psychologist, a psychotherapist, but all you have to do is Google your symptoms and boom, you have a self-diagnosis or, (laughs) or a lot of people think, (laughs) (laughs) or people think that they are more than, um, you know, they're better than therapy. So how do we, how do we respond to that kind of a mindset? Well, I think that, so a couple things. First of all, everything you said, spot on. And I think that it's important to remember that even your therapist is a a human being. And so there are dope therapists out here that recognize, um, that hopefully um, resist oppressive and ableist um, perspectives in the way that they offer support. And I think that if we sort of acknowledge like, hey, you can choose the person that you sit across from. And I know that that's actually also not something that's often talked about, but myself, a black woman who's also a therapist, and I'm looking for a therapist, I come with a whole list of questions. It's like a first date. Mm-hmm. Tell me what's your favorite color. Tell me why you do this or that. And share with me what's your perspective, right? Share with me your perspective about oppression. Tell me if I share with me if I come up if I come to you with a question about um, my experiences in life as it relates to the color of my skin, the way that my body moves, the way that I present myself to the world. How what is your perspective and and have you contended with the realities of how this might impact my my healing journey? And I remember one of the times that I asked a therapist that first of all they were flabbergasted. Right. Because so many of us, you know, release and relinquish all of our ability um, and power in this relationship uh, process to um, to that, quote unquote, authority. Um, And most many of them were not prepared to answer the questions, which meant that they didn't get to be (laughs) (laughs) the therapist. Right. Like, yeah, you the bomb. And so you deserve to sit across from somebody that is contending with, they don't have to have the same lived experience, but they do need to be thoughtful about the human experience and how beautiful, challenging, ugly, all of this can be so that we can really navigate these cobwebs. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I feel like there's a vein where some of these, not even just therapists, physicians, whatever, health professionals are not understanding that when we ask them these questions, it's not because we went on Google and we think we know what's wrong with us. It's like 
this is a healthcare team. Like you being on my team is a privilege for both of us. So it has to work both ways. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions and and like you said, if that person is shocked, if they if they're not <laughs> interested in that process, then they're not going to be interested in you as a whole person. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never mind. I do want to ask you though. And there's so many terms that I see when it comes to mental health. Like, what does it actually mean? Like, what's a social worker? What's a psychotherapist? Like, what do all mm. those different terms mean? Does it matter what I'm, who I'm seeing or what I'm going to? How does that work? That's a dope question. So I, I wanted to say something, too, about that Google situation and diagnoses um, before we move past it too far. And And I also think that this can also be relevant to the question you just asked about, like, all of these different alphabets behind the names, what do they stand for? And so when I think about Google, um, so Google is an amazing tool, so great. Um, It allows us to sort of delve into the reflections of ourselves. And I would say I caution folks to go so far as to try to figure out how to, quote, diagnose themselves. One, because I, I think that and many um, mental health professionals uh, vary in their perspective about this. But because I work from a, a liberation-focused perspective, I do not rest first in diagnoses. That is because the function of the diagnosis is so that we can identify based off of other research that's been done in mental health care, what might be a good path to be able to support your healing process, what therapies that have been researched might be helpful. And that is great when navigating that perspective. It's also helpful in the event a mental health professional refers you to a psychiatrist, which I'm going to sort of distinguish the difference between those roles are. But there's really no need to um, worry yourself about trying to diagnose yourself. I think that it is important, though, to familiarize yourself with what your personal experiences have been, because you do know yourself better than any given or articulated diagnosis. So that's the first thing. Um, the So when we're talking about like, who are these people out here trying to offer mental health care services? So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. A licensed clinical social worker is one who has been trained in what's considered the person and environment model. That is that we are not solely mental health providers but are also trained in and aware around, supposed to be aware about how systems work, how that inter, inter um, connects with policy, how that impacts the society, how that impacts the family and then the individual. And so, um, so that is a grounded on a history around working with community first. That is different, say, than what what's considered an LCPC, a licensed clinical profession, a licensed professional counselor, um, or a LMFT, which is a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm trying to think of other alphabets that come up. Um, or uh, and now, well, let me talk about licensed marriage and family therapist. A, mar- a licensed marriage and family therapist, their specialty is first on therapy, right? And therapy with uh, within coupled 
um, or in groups uh, of people living together and family units. And it doesn't mean that they can't offer support to individuals, right? But they're going to be looking at these sort of systems, relationships between uh, your relationship with your your um, partner or the family dynamics in, in your in your system. And so they're focused, they're focused in that way. Um, a licensed professional counselor is focused in on counseling specifically, and there are different theoretical frameworks. So they don't get too much into um, language about social justice. Um, now, this doesn't mean the individual that may not, you know, do their own study, but their academic study when they are in school does not focus on um, sort of uh, the community as a whole. And then you have psychologists. Um, psychologists um, certainly have the ability to provide therapy, but most of the time they are functioning in a role of offering testing. So counselors are trained to offer a wide range of just counseling tools. That's what they focus on in their education. And then psychologists are the professionals that you go to see if you are being for testing. Psychologists are familiar with a battery of different tests that are um, research-based to be able to identify whether or not some of those more nuanced diagnoses are absolutely what's happening. So especially those who um, have learning differences that are seeking support in a school system, they might they would go and see a, a, a psychologist to support them in getting the testing necessary. And then the last but certainly not least, a psychiatrist, another professional that absolutely is versed and able to provide therapy, um, but they are medical doctors. They are, you know, most of the time in my work and working with psychiatrists, often in um, sort of governmental agencies, but even in my private practice, um, I refer my clients to psychiatrists when we think that the natural methods um, are not working and they need to or um, would like to uh explore medication. Psychiatrists are the ones who prescribe that. And so while all of them are very well equipped to offer different mental health supports, everyone is trained differently with a different focus. Um, But I think that like if you're looking for a therapist, you want to look at the way that they are introducing themselves to you online. And when you get on the phone, ask them what their philosophy is. um, And that will also uh, support you in understanding where they're coming from and does it matter for so there's counselors social workers uh psychologists psychiatrists so you mentioned a psychiatrist is a medical doctor and are all of those other fields also licensed you know by the state a medical doctor has to pass board and blah 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 do those other things run by the same Nope. So as a for licensed counselors, marriage and family therapists, social workers, we all are licensed in that we've um, went to about at least two years of graduate level school. We cannot prescribe any medication, but we are able to um, diagnose in the event that everyone has the highest level license in their field. So a license, like I think it's called LMSW here in the state of Maryland, a licensed master social worker, they cannot um, 
provide any uh, diagnoses, but a supervisor, a licensed clinical social worker can. Interesting. So they're not medical doctors, can't give you no, no prescription, um, but can refer and can offer diagnoses from their perspective. Right. I'm just wondering if something, so when people tell me that they're looking for a physical therapist, for example, I tell them to go on their state's Department of Health and check for their license because people love saying like, I'm a corrective exercise specialist or like, I'm a movement activity therapist, but like that doesn't actually, you know, might not actually mean anything. Does that apply here also or is that different? So the biggest issue that where it comes here is first, absolutely, folks should check the the licensing board and the state that they're in. And you can literally just search. You'll see the the, the alphabet behind their name. So LCPC behind my name is LCSWC. If you Google that with the state that you're in and the licensing board information should come up, you should be able to search their name and identify their license um, number and whether or not their license is active. And if somebody is being atrocious, right? If they are providing a service, if they provided a service and you feel like you've been discriminated against in any way, that is also the board that you would call to report them and that holds them accountable. But similar to what you said about folks making up fancy names about, you know, um, working with the physical body, um, you know, we got a lot of coaches out here. Um, and yeah, I've seen coach. And I have seen the word coach. I have, yes. And I'm not knocking life coaches, all right? But <laughs> they're, they're, But what's starting to happen is there's becoming a blurred line because yeah. these this language around like trauma-informed, trauma-responsive. Yes, now you have life I've coaches saying that. that they're going to help you with your trauma. Oh, no, boo. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to need you to stay in, in your lane, all right? Yeah. No, we can work on the goals. We can work on the business development, okay? Maybe if I'm a mindfulness coach, I'm going to teach you how to meditate. All right. But don't, 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 don't be going into the depths of the, gen- of the trauma. Don't, mm-mm. Yeah. No, no, like that. <laughs> oh, man, no, that same. can get dangerous easy. Same. Easy. But there's think- so many people providing, uh, you know, on the other end, there are people that provide things that are giving people like the false confidence that they can do these things. So like, so I'll be on Instagram on my page and things will pop up and I'll click in and a person will say like they're certified whatever therapist and I'm like what the fuck is that and I Google it and somebody's offering a certification for you know six hundred dollars and now this person thinks they're like a physical therapist like nah like I put 120k into that degree you can't like this mm-hmm. is not cool <laughs> and so where I will push back though is. So this is really complicated, especially when like uh, so, so for myself, I'm also in school. I'm getting a Ph.D. right now in social work, which is not anything that would be used for therapy. Right. Like I'm uh, licensed to provide therapy because of my light, my LCSWC. But it, as a Ph.D., I'm studying and doing all of this research about the field. One of the things that I do think is important because I am focusing specifically on decoloniality, basically how to uproot a colonial mentality right. within the ways that we're providing care. And I do think that if we do ground ourselves in how we've always healed, we were not going to the person that 
invested $120,000 to to be able to do some things. And so I think that we have to be very discerning because it isn't that the coach doesn't have some quality care to provide. And it isn't that, you know, the sort of meditation guru, uh, as they might call themselves, a mind-body coach, isn't helpful. It is just that if they're not trained in how to handle the the crises and trauma that can come when you start to dance with these topics... Then you leave folks powerfully um, in a powerfully um, unhealthy and unsafe situation. And and so in alignment with what we were talking about just at the beginning, there are folks that would rather say, I'm in, I got a, I got a coach and this coach is working with me. And that's one of the ways we sort of skirt around doing the deep, deep trauma work that might be necessary because we think we got a trauma coach. And so I think it's this both and acknowledging that there are professionals to go to to apply these um, understandings of, of, of modern medicine and modern technology and how we provide care. And that does not negate um, traditional ways of knowing and, you know, what you feel called to. But, it, but we have to recognize when we need to go to an actual professional for mental right. health. And I would say just go to a therapist and then get yourself a coach on the side. Listen, they can work as a team. <laughs> or get yourself a therapist that's also familiar with these other these other entities. So for myself, I am an integrative psychotherapist. So I study mind-body medicine. I study in traditional ways of healing and knowing. And I got that good, good LCSWC. So I know both and. And I think if that's what you're looking for, you can sort of feel it out. It's more challenging um, because there's not a lot of us. A good therapist knows that they can work better with a team, right? Like right. if whoever you want on your team for your healing journey, like if you say, also, I'm working with this person, like the therapist needs to be, oh, all right, I got your back. Let me know if you need any other information. Right. Yeah, that's go. how Yeah, that's how it should be. You go see this specialist and say, hey, I'm doing this. Okay, what's their number? You know, you're seeing this acupuncture guy and you're like, should I do physical therapy? Sure. I know this guy. Like it should be all. Yeah. I think that's kind of a red flag. If you ever meet someone, they're like, oh, uh, I could do that for you, too. Like, "Mm." Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Well, not only then should someone be doing the research on these mental health professionals and seeing what their licenses are and what best fits your needs they again back to the relationship should find out if that person is also you know queer friendly trans friendly poc friendly disabled friendly like when i was looking for some um i needed a poly friendly therapist to help me in my relationships out and it's just so hard to find but it's necessary to build that because you're going to be telling these people your deep, deep traumas. <laughs> yeah, and you don't yes. need them to be looking at you like, oh, let me try and tell her that this is wrong. Like, that's yeah. not a part, that's not yeah. the journey that you need to go on. And we had an interview with um, Eva Sweeney not too long ago who looked, who interviews, you know, her future physical aids and how important that is. It's very, very similar to finding yourself a, a therapist or a social worker. Yeah, because Absolutely. you can be caught in a, in a moment where that's actually creating more stress for you. And I know personally, so like you're saying, you you tried to find someone that was poly friendly. And personally, I was just trying to find somebody that was black. Because mm-hmm. I, I would go to, to all of these people and they were just like, 
they just like want to give me hugs. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to. Like, what is this? That's not in my nature. <laughs> like, what are you like? They just like wanted to be like my grandma or something. I don't know what the vibe was, but that's what I was getting from like these older white women. And I'm like, okay, this isn't working, is it? I gotta find somebody that suits me. And like, I'm still searching, but having that mindset, they're like, okay, this doesn't work for me. This is not how it has to be. I think I think that you make a good point too around like what the, that it is a process. It can be very very challenging to find like this perfect fit of a person to hold the space for you. Um, and I think that it's really important to not be discouraged. But I guess the other thing is sort of like you may not find everything you need in one person, um, and you may not find one person that can that has a skill set to help you journey That's with good. all those things. And so, for example, like I um, really wanted to to go to um, I wanted to see an older black woman who was familiar with like I needed them to be further along, further ahead than I am. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, And and I also needed them to not know me. Right. And so that's actually a challenge for therapists. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Therapists seeking a therapist. And I'm, you know, because I I train therapists sort of locally but nationally sometimes folks are like oh my goodness i heard of you and i'm like you can't be my no i'm gonna need you not like oh it's been real hard y'all but i found myself seeing an older black man which isn't what i wanted because i wanted to talk about my experience birthing and i was like this person um he don't know nothing about this pro- this particular experience that I had, but this therapist was able to support me powerfully in my grief work, right? And so his expertise allowed me to do that work. And then when I was done, you know, that meant that maybe I was going to work with um, uh, support groups for 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 Black moms that supported me in in charting through and doing the storytelling pieces. And so I think, you know, if you can't find someone that is poly friendly, um, it's sort of identifying what aspects of the work perhaps someone can journey with you. And as long as they're not atrocious and, you know, (laughs) trying to tell you that your lifestyle is wrong, they'll still be open to offering support. And then you can go to perhaps a a sex coach um, or a couple's coach for addressing those things that are not necessarily so powerfully attached to trauma. Uh, and if it's possible, I mean, you know yourself in your journey um, best. The same thing would go for finding folks that um, folks of color. It's, it's real out here. And just because you are black doesn't mean that you understand or that you are working from a framework that honors right. the black experience. There are folks that are they are black, but they have anti-black perspectives. Similarly, you know, you could be a person of Asian descent and still, you know, be sort of buying into some of the sort of white and Eurocentric perspectives. So, you know, it, but, you know, likewise, you might find somebody that does, that is not, um, that doesn't have any of the similarities that you were looking for, but their energy, their vibe, their heart space, you talk to them and you're like, you know what? Yeah. The bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think and that that's is a good why point. First... That was. Yeah. Go ahead, Mary Beth. Well, I mean, no, that's why the first date or the first impression, that first conversation is so necessary. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't just flip through a Tinder page and swipe left, swipe <laughs> right here. <laughs> 
I'm not just trying that with psychology today, but I don't think that's going to work so well. And even after you see them, you might do that first impression. You might go in the two sessions and you might be like, I don't know about this, right? You want to give yourself some time, right? Stay in therapy a little bit. Now, not if you have a visceral response where you feel like you've been othered. That's a no. But if you're just like, I'm not sure what this was coming up for me. I don't know. It could be you just having reservation about the new process altogether. So give yourself a few sessions a month, y'all, like four sessions, you know, to really figure out if it works well. And then, and along the line of figuring out what works, do you think that um, there's specific things that people should be doing in general? You know, like um, is mindfulness, is it is it spirituality, is it meditation or does it just depend? I think it depends on what your needs are, what you feel like is important for you. Um, And I also think that sometimes you don't know, and then it's a powerful opportunity to explore those different modalities with yourself. But if you already have, say, a meditation practice or that's something that you'd like to get into, certainly it would be dope to connect with a person that, you know, is a mindfulness-based that uses mindfulness-based stress reduction or, you know, that uses um, um, any sort of mindful or perhaps yoga therapy within their practice. Yeah, so I think doing that is, that is an excellent use of yoga. I mean, of yoga. Is it, well, I that's actually accurate, but no. It's an excellent <laughs> use of Google, right? Yeah. That's the excellent use of Google. Look up the different modalities based off of you know, what you're, um, what you feel like you might be experiencing. If you, if you know that you're feeling overwhelmed, you might look that up and they might give you a list of, oh, try, try this. And you might look that up and be like, no, I'm not interested in that. Like I, some folks are very religious, you know, if you're like, listen, I need it to be faith first, go ahead. Right. If you're like, listen, I don't want to work. I'm, I'm, I'm very religious and I don't want any therapist that can't bring the Bible out or, you know, some other, uh, text during my session, then you know you know what you're looking for. And I want to go back to what you said earlier because this is so important in your you know way of communicating to your patients and your your relationships. But reconnecting to the lineage and you know finding liberation through that and how we can heal in these ancient ways. I you know I. I put some um, tribal tattoos on my body. I cook Filipino food. I'm working to learn the language again. And, you know, it's still not enough. So how, tell me how this is important in your work. So I would have to say it, it be, it's important in my work because it's been important in my own life. Um, I learned so, so much about what works for me and how I can heal by first beginning with the experiences of my own ancestors, um, even the ones that I don't like. I'm really trying to reclaim those those knowings was connected to my feelings of disillusionment in the world. And so because I found such um, grounding in that experience, and I feel like I shouldn't have to separate out my true identity with my practice, um, it be, it just became a, a central part in how I communicate. And so anyone who wants to work with me, they will see that throughout. If you Google my name, when you when I was providing therapy, you would go to Psychology Today and I would talk about that. And so it is um, it is something that is not, there's not a really large community out there that's also teaching folks how to commune with their ancestors 
but I think that it paves a powerful way for um, for Black folks, Indigenous folks, and folks of color generally around um, how do we uh, heal generational trauma, right? Recognizing that many of the methods and the tools that are being positioned as, quote, evidence-based in the therapy realm um, are from the white gaze. They, they amplify Eurocentric ways of knowing. That is, if it's not if it can't be counted, then it isn't real. And so that isn't the ways of original peoples of the East, right? That's not the ways of my ancestors. And so uh, there's been this both and process where sometimes I'm inviting folks, you know, if they are grieving, you know, I'm, I'm inviting them to, to, to commune with that energy in their meditation. I'm co-leading this journey for them to commune in that way. And I think that when that's what makes what I do and considered integrative, because I'm not saying no to the modern ways of doing things. I'm saying yes. And let's go back to who we are. Let's ensure that our ways of knowing and healing aren't lost. And what do you think about um, in terms of because you just briefly mentioned like, you know, using yoga for mindfulness and all those things. What do you think about movement in general? Is is a mental health process incomplete without movement? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So so central to everything that I do is also about embodiment. It is connecting deeply with the body that we have. Um, recognizing that everything that we experience in life leaves an imprint in our physical body and perhaps even uh, aspect or changes in our body that that might not have been positive, right, or that were marker points in our own lives. And so um, movement is so important because, so I also study traditional Chinese medicine. Um, I'm a Qigong practitioner and One of the things in my current study that I'm always sort of integrating further is recognizing that our emotions are energy and that unresolved emotion stores itself in the body and causes dis-ease. Right. And so when we're when we're thinking about, um, you know, that that pain in our lower back um, and we we look at traditional Chinese medicine and that the wisdom there and it amplifies that that pain, that that lower back pain is also um, in alignment with where our kidneys are and fear that might be stored there. And so if you take a a, a moment to sort of commune with those realities, you become aware, oh man, maybe my back is hurting because I haven't processed this experience, this ever-present fear that I have about being a racialized body in the world, right? Movement allows us to to do what sometimes words can't and that is extract and release and move energy out um uh interrupt stagnation and so that could be through what i love to do without nobody watching um (laughs) (laughs) african dance or it could be literally turning on your favorite song and shaking your body yeah being mindful of uh of what the vibration is or what the song is talking about because if you're trying to be happy but you're listening to angry music that might not be helpful (laughs) y'all but you know really (laughs) but really getting acquainted with that likewise if you're exercising so y'all are y'all y'all are lifting now i don't lift but you know i mean (laughs) other folks listen they can't see but people be thinking that i do because (laughs) you got a little Um, muscle um but that workout 
is is a, you can use that as a healing tool. Like let's say you've had a horrible week or you really you're still trying to process some things and it seems like you're stagnant. I mean, you all are probably know better than than me. You know, setting the intention. I'm gonna dedicate this workout to letting that shit go. Yeah, I'm yeah. not leaving this fucking gym till that shit is released, <laughs> right? And you can feel it in your body. You feel lighter. You feel invigorated. That's what it's all about. And that's so powerful. And like, I know a lot of people listening do exactly that. Like people are in powerlifting in strongman for that exact reason to release that stress and that anger or that trauma. But it's also nice to have a combination of both, right? Like you can't talk too much. Your brain's going to start hurting. You can't (laughs) lift too much without talking. You need that to collide a little bit of both it's so powerful i wanted to go back to the the okay how did you say the word qigong 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 you said it right the first time okay said it right the first time she is energy she is energy gong means cultivation so it literally translates to energy cultivation and how i wanted to say different than tai chi it's not look at you oh So, you know, I got acupuncture or whatever, so I got to dabble, know, okay? <laughs> so I, I got, I'm going to put this all together for you. I'm going to put it all together. So, so Tai Chi is a martial art form. Qigong is the healing art form. Um, acupuncture moves the energy for you with the needles and intention. Qigong teach, and, and, and Tai Chi allows you to do that with your breath movement um and color therapies so so it is using that same healing technology but in a different way but i wanted to tell you before oh oh i've had i've had many of folks that came to me for um for mental health support and i met i i have done uh creative things in my office where i included weightlifting in the process of therapy now i mean i don't know if other therapists are like this i'm just saying um you know <laughs> because i recognize that <laughs> that was one of the ways that many of my um clients already took care of their bodies I, you know, and in, in, incorporated that in there and as a meditation or mindfulness practice to support them in reclaiming their story. So, I mean, that's great information in general. But what would you say to people that I mean, there's two ways of people, right? People that haven't even touched their mental health and then people that have. What would you say to either of those people now that we're in like a whole ass pandemic? This whole ass pandemic. So the reality is that all of us got shit with us right now. Like there is not one being in the world, or I mean, I would I would say not not one being, including the animals and the plants, including the earth and the insects. Like there's not one being that is not powerfully impacted, both positively or negatively, or indifferent through this experience. So I I think that the first thing is really grounding yourself. And that, and by grounding, I mean communing with your body, getting back into your body. Perhaps that's through lifting. Perhaps that's through going outside and sitting on the earth, but keeping some kind of practice or what I call ritual to support you in remembering to be with yourself and to care for yourself. So that, that would be the start. And then I would say that because we are also isolating and doing practicing social or social distancing, and I would say physical distancing, only physical distance, do not socially distance. That is, call your boo, call your friends, have 
parties virtually. Um, decide that you're still going to keep those those workout goals or your your uh, school goals or whatever goals you have. Still maintain that. Decide, oh, we're going to both do this at the same time. Take a picture. Call me afterwards and let's talk about it. Um, so I think that maintaining that community during this time is so important. And then the other thing that I was, I mean, there's a lot that I could say, but the other thing that's coming up for me in this moment, it, there's two other things. Okay, the one is to really care for and be intentional about how you're feeding yourself, right? We are our first level of nurturing and care. And so, you know, we need to eat these dark leafy greens because that's our medicine. I'm gonna need us to pull in some of those fruits and vegetables, drink and water. The last just say water like several more times. Water, 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 water. Drink more water. Be with yourself. Exercise. Keep yourself moving. Um, just deciding that you will um be intentional about that level of care, um, can be a powerful way of grounding and and nourishing your emotional wellness during this difficult time. And then the last thing that I was like, oh, I have to say this too you know, is whatever your spiritual orientation, whatever your practice is, if you have one that's been really dope and it's working for you, or if you tried that one time and then you was like, fuck that shit is too hard. I can't keep it up because this nine to five life is too much. Attempt to revisit it, right? Dance with some new practices and allow yourself to fuck up, to fall off and then do it again. We have so much time to ourselves. Right, so right. much. <laughs> <laughs> So it might as yeah, well use it to create something new. That's wow. so important. It really is. And, and wait, on that oh, same, another. Oh, just, oh, yeah. one more, one more, one more. I mean, I mean, it's a perfect time <laughs> to get you, to coagulate your your wellness team. If you've been working on your mental health and your therapist was whack, this is a great time to get a new one. This Everybody's is. offering virtual therapy right exactly. now, so even if they're forty five minutes away, but in the same state, you can see them. <laughs> All right. Because yes. everybody's right? Everybody, right? You can't see somebody outside of the state. Well, unless they have license there, unlicensed where you live. But you can see, I mean, listen, my therapist is 45 minutes away, but I'm, I don't have to even drive, y'all. I'm going to just get up on the computer. So great time to add that on. And then, you know, if you're going to, if you, if you need something that your therapist can't provide, you know, awesome time to also consider these sort of virtual groups, virtual coaching, you know, get your life, get and your how life. How do you feel Somebody about the eat. apps that are out there also? There's so many different apps now that exist. So there's like meditation apps and then there's like, I don't know what much about the therapy apps because I don't look into them, but I see the ads. So I have always been challenged by this idea of technology taking over the way that we do things. So apps for meditation, I think is powerful and great paired with some sort of embodied and connective practice, recognizing that things like mindfulness and movement derive from traditional wisdoms that were always practiced and collective. Yes, it's also co practiced individually, but let's not replace people with technology altogether. So I would say do so thoughtfully and in a balanced way. Same for therapy. My thing with um, with the apps for therapy, um, because we're getting even to a point where folks are saying, oh, we can text and do therapy. I'm not about that life. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I need some, some, 
some human connection here, but I'm also not going to knock someone who decides that they want to, to journey with that because that's where they feel like they can start to be able to care for themselves. So while it's not for me and I feel a type of way about it, I'm going to say that if that's the way you can take care of yourself, boo, if that is what is accessible to you, do your thing. If it, if it works for you, keep with it. And it's true. Like, you got to start somewhere, right? Just yeah. like with lifters, we all started with a cookie cutter program that was free online and we didn't talk to anybody, <laughs> didn't hire any yeah. coaches. It's the exact same thing. You start off with that, but if you want to be a professional or a more competitive power lifter, you, you got some real growth. You need that one on one. You need somebody that works with you yes. uniquely because every body is different, every mind is different. So, oh, man, I love how the two connect. (laughs) Yeah. On that same end, it could be a lot for you, you know, holding down other people's grief and loss. And you're going through your own shit. You seem very powerfully grounded. But how are you managing your own mental health and wellness? What are you doing? Well, I'm not seeing clients right now. Um, But I stopped seeing I paused on seeing clients last semester because I was doing the most. I was doing the most. Like I was, I'm full-time in a PhD program. I'm a mommy. I am partnered. I have a business and I was doing community work. So I had to pare down the way that I support community. You know what? I can't be holding these healing circles every week, y'all. I'm going to do something once a month. Um, I am pausing school actually right now. I've paused for the last month since we've been in, in during the pandemic so that I could focus on my ritual practice, fortifying that, my relationship, my marriage, fortifying that, being the bomb mommy. Like Yay. I'm trying to be the kind of mommy that people be like, hey. I'm trying to be like you. Yes. Um, I want my child to feel nourished, right? So, like, I'm out in the garden. Um, I just, I bought a house recently, and my backyard is looking like, what the fuck? But I'm getting it together, okay? I'm getting it together. We are growing some foods. We got our cool crops out. I got my warm crops in my office under the light. Um, and I've been communing with my ancestors regularly that but I, so essentially I pared down, I'm slowing down, I'm reassessing and I'm really sort of talking to myself about um, ways to disconnect from schoolishness. That is the sort of idea that our value is only in what we produce. Right. Um, and I'm sort of that revisiting that side that, hustle. Yeah, so I'm really, I mean, you know, I be, I, I was having a challenge when I was an old snap. I can't like do, I can't produce, I can't do all of these things. And so it's bringing up a ton for me to um, fuss at, pray to, <laughs> and cry about with my ancestors so that I can come out of this more fortified and with bigger love for my people. And I think that's so true because there are so many, you know, like they call it hustle Twitter. <laughs> like there's so many people like, oh, you got all this extra time. You're not working on your side hustle or you're not doing this. Like, no, Bullshit. no, no. <laughs> Maybe I mean, if, not we we are. Center, if we want to <laughs> center all of the things that have been contributing to our poor mental health, um, you know, and we want to exacerbate it, sure, go ahead and grind hard when your body is telling you not to. I mean, if you feel inspired, 
grind that shit out. Create like that is the bomb. It's, if you if you are in the home alone and you're like, yes, I've been waiting for this time and it's a <laughs> gift. Do it. Listen to yourself. But if your body is like, I need to fucking sleep. I'm tired as shit. I'm overwhelmed. Then no, like deciding you're going to grind it out is going to further silence your inner voice. And what we need to do right now is be communing deeply with our inner voice and with the earth. Because the earth is telling us if we don't get our shit together, we ain't going to have no shit. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. That's that. That's it. That'll do for me. Thank you. (laughs) Shauna, I need to find me one of you over here in California. Do you Uh, have anyone like you? I'm gonna look more of you. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just, I, I just clone I, yourself I, and ship, ship yourself over. Man, I actually was trying to clone myself for myself. I was like, shit, <laughs> if I could just go to a Shauna Murray Brown, you know, with an asterisk on the side and just sit right. myself, that would be amazing. No, I have not found myself anywhere, but I am connected to a, um, con- a collection of therapists. And if you inbox me, I will, you know, support you in identifying a person. And I'll say, I mean, that's really the other leg of my work, right? It's trying to teach other um, liberation-focused, dope, dope folks on how to do this well. And anything else, Mary Beth, before we close the um, episode? Any other lingering questions you got? Nothing for me. I feel like we I mean, got everything. Covered- yeah, you covered so much. I mean, it will give you this time to, you know, plug whatever you want to plug. We saw that New York Times article you wrote recently, actually. Roommates or partner getting on your nerves. <laughs> so I know you offer tons of things. You, you've offered on uh, speaking engagements, you know, skills groups, community healing. That Heal Assist project going. So, yeah, the, the best thing... So what I'm working on right now is communing and coagulating like a village of folks that are really down for the work that I'm doing virtually. And so folks can peep me on my Patreon page is www.patreon.com forward slash Shauna Murray Brown with an E where I'm hosting uh, virtual healing circles every month where you get access to my workbook. Um, and we're talking about all things liberation focused healing, all things healing generally um and then the other thing the things that i have coming up um i'm working on um some healing circles that will happen virtually and be paired with my online healing platform um so that's gonna drop over the summer so folks can absolutely follow me on my ig at heal sister um folks can decide that they want to stalk my facebook page that's shauna murray brown LCSWC, or you can hit me um, on my website, shaunamariebrown.com. So though, though, I'm really just trying to be accessible, but not do the most. My intention right. is to do the least while still being in alignment with my with my vision and purpose. So, I mean, that was a lot. And especially for this kind of episode, I would invite you to, if you have to pause at certain moments, pause or listen to it twice, listen to it twice, because I, we hit a lot of things and, and this shit is really important because we are often the others, you know, we are the less than, we're the black and brown, we're the disabled, we're the women. And, you know, we have to be the strong, whatever, nurturing and (laughs) therapies for crazy people. Like, no, we're going to knock all of that down. We're going to find ourselves a nice little team we're going to do whatever we need to do to heal. We're going to find some sort of movement. 
And if you feel like you have to listen to this episode twice and listen to it twice, but get somewhere with it. So thank you again, Shauna. Mary Beth, you're the best. Chloe, thank we you. miss you. <laughs> Disabled you Girls so out. Thanks for listening to Disabled Girls Who Left. We appreciate all of your support and everyone who's taken the time to show us some love. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, or write a review of our channel. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcasts, and more. You can also find us on Instagram at Disabled Girls Who Left.